Hey sis, I'm so happy you are back for another episode. I have an amazing guest for you today. Her name is Jackie Dorman. She's a relationship coach, a professional matchmaker, speaker, and author of Married in 12 Months or Less, her signature book among many. And in this episode, she shares how to prepare well before you date, what to look for in a spirit mate, yes, spirit mate, and how to know when you're ready for that relationship and to go to the next step. So we talk about how to thrive in dating and marriage. And I had the privilege of getting to meet Jackie and just really learn her wisdom and also just her fire for the Lord and her prophetic voice. Um, So she's going to be speaking over us today. So get ready. This episode is seriously going to bless you. Welcome to the Sisters of Christ podcast. I'm Jeanette Bordeaux, your host. This is the podcast where you can come and have your faith stirred up and be encouraged by sisters like me and other amazing women that we have on the show who share advice and testimonies. Our hope is that you leave here more on fire for Jesus than you were before. Now get ready to be encouraged with today's episode. For people who don't maybe like know a lot about your story, I would love to hear like, how did you get started in relationship and like dating coaching? So everyone that I run into, like I was on a plane yesterday and the girl sitting next to me is like, what do you do? And she's like 29. And I'm like, I'm a matchmaker. She's like, oh, so fun. (laughs) So everyone, everyone, that's everyone's response always. And I have to agree. It's so fun. And I'm just really privileged to do that. Um, I got started when I was born. Um, Ever since I came out of the womb, I have really had a high capacity for relationships and seeing, you know, other people's relationships and weighing in on other people's relationships. I was always the girl that had you over my house. I gave you a makeover. I did your hair because you like some guy. And I'm like, look, this is all we need to do. What we need to do is we need to present the best version of you to him. He's crazy. If he doesn't like you, you're amazing. Let's make the outside match the inside. Um, I'm the person that you would send with the note. Do you like me? Check yes or no. That was me all the time. And so as the, that progressed, as I got older, I helped 15 of my friends in my community get married. And wow. so I obviously knew that there was more to it than I just like this. This is something that I'm actually gifted at and something that, you know, for lack of a better word, I'm anointed to do. When we use the word anointing, what we're really saying is that there's a special grace on you that's not human to do whatever that thing is. Right. So it's like God's super with your natural and now it's supernatural. So I love to do it. And then God just gave me the super to do it. And I did a thing called the heart work. I wrote a book about it. So inner healing matchmaking, put it together. And you have one of my programs, which is called married in 12 months or less. And during pandemic, that is when that peanut butter and jelly sandwich came together. I just really felt divinely led to take all the heart work stuff I was doing with women that was helping them get married and put it together with my matchmaking gift. And then my matchmaking community was born. Wow. That is so amazing. And I'm so glad you mentioned like inner healing. So I want to talk about why is inner healing like so important whenever you're preparing like for dating or marriage? I want to hear it from you. Well, you know, inner healing is important for everything, right? Um, What is happening is that we're just in our own way. 
You know, mm-hmm. Jesus died to give us abundant life. Very few people are living abundantly. And the reason why is because we're in our own way. We're in God's way and in our own way. And so during pandemic, I made a list of the top 10 things that happen when people do their heart work with me. Cause I've been teaching the heart work for 15 years and they get married. It was like in the top three people get married. And I was like, wow, yeah, there's something to that. But they also get promoted. They get better jobs. They quit their jobs. They take a risk because faith is spelled R-I-S-K. They leave their boring, complacent lives and they go off and they do other things. Their little pendulum swings to the other side and they start realizing that, hey, this is my one and only life. And what I'm doing is unworthy of me. It's unworthy of me. And so they get out of sin and shame, that whole cycle of sin and shame. And they start realizing that, you know, God created me to thrive and and I'm not thriving. I'm just surviving. And then they just, just launch. It's just like kind of like a rocket launch situation. And so that's why inner healing is so important because your problem's not your problem. Your problem is you and something that you believe about yourself because of some past trauma. Trauma didn't just hurt you. It actually created a loser version of you. And God didn't create losers. He only created winners. And so that's really the secret sauce. Wow. I love that. Um, And I feel like one of the things, and you probably heard this too, is like that holds us back specifically like in relationships and dating. And I think, I mean, I have definitely faced this bar. I'm a single 30 year old. So all these questions I'm asking are like pertain to me. Um, But what is one of them is that like, oh, I'm not ready to date or, you know, oh, I, I'm not like, um, I, I don't, I don't feel like healed enough or whatever. So I'd love for you to just talk about that. Cause I'm sure you face that like in your programs. Yeah. I mean, everyone, like I said, we're in our own way. And one of the ways that we're in our own way is what we believe about ourselves. I'm not ready. I'm not worthy. No, one's going to like me. I don't, I'm not going to like anybody. <laughs> I'm picky. So picky is a heart wound. People are like, well, you know, I'm just selective. No, you're picky. And and you're you're picking at people, which is kind of a critical spirit. And the reason why is because you're scared. That's just a fear response. It's like, if I don't find something wrong with this person, then they might actually get into my heart. And if they get into my heart, then I'm going to have to marry them. And if I marry them, then they're going to leave me someday and run off with another woman, or they're going to change and they're not going to love me anymore. And then all the different belief systems that we're not conscious of. So it's easier for me in the first three dates to tear you apart in my mind so that you never get a chance for me to fall in love with you. Wow. That's so good. And that's like, and that's one of the questions I actually had for you because it's like that fear of like vulnerability. I feel like we, I mean, this is the number one thing I'm tackling this year. So I'm like speaking from personal experience. I'm like, (laughs) I will be vulnerable in every relationship, you know, friendships, everything dating. And so I I had this on my list. I was really excited to ask, but it's like, how do you like, A, how do you know when it's safe to be vulnerable? And then B, like, How do you, what does that actually look like? It's such a great question because I think that people um, feel like they can't be vulnerable and have boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so this is where we have to go because a lot of people, they think that being vulnerable means they don't have any boundaries. It's like, I'm going to let this person in. I'm going to let everybody in. Like, I'm going to be vulnerable in all these relationships. Well, you can't be vulnerable in relationships that are not safe. Yeah. Which means that if you don't know someone really well, you also don't know if they're a safe person and you can't be vulnerable with them. It's inappropriate to be vulnerable with someone that you don't know. Mm 
And so you, they have to gain that access over time. But a lot of people, when they get in, especially a dating environment, they're either too vulnerable. They're telling, they're like, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to show up vulnerable. They show up to the date. They share way too much information about themselves, information that's way above that other person's pay grade because they're a stranger. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the next day you have a total, you know, vulnerability hangover. You're like, oh my God, what did I just do? I just talked to a really cool girl the other day and she said, yeah, I'm always so closed off. So I showed up to this date really open and I shared about myself and they kept asking questions and I kept answering them. And then crickets, I thought we had a great date and I never heard from him ever again. So now there's a stranger out there with all my secrets, just running (laughs) around, not talking to me anymore. (laughs) And what does that do? That makes you like never want to open the vault again. Right. But there's times to open the vault and there's times not to open the vault and the people that can go to those, like, think of it as your house. Does everyone get a tour of your bedroom? No. (laughs) I mean, most people, like, in fact, most of our houses are like the bedroom is like the place that needs to be cleaned the most because when people come over, we shove everything in there. Why? Because no one's going to go in there. Mm -hmm. Right. Our personal bathroom, our personal bedroom, people are going to stay in the public places, right? the living room, maybe the kitchen, if it's connected, there's a guest bathroom, hopefully. And, and that's where people that we don't know really well go. The people that we know really well, they're in our room with us laying on our bed before the party, trying to help us figure out what we're going to wear. Yeah. Yeah. So do you see the difference in that? And you can really apply that same analogy to any type of meeting with someone, Hey, what should I be sharing with this person? And what shouldn't I be sharing? But I think what you're saying when you're talking about being vulnerable is just being open and receptive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can be like that with strangers. You can be open and receptive. You can be friendly. You know, you don't have to be the ice queen and, you know, guarded. We we call it guarded, but really it's just hard and closed off and suspicious. (laughs) You don't have to be that, but you also don't have to be the queen of TMI. Yeah, totally. Cause I, I feel like I've played or I've been in like both situations, probably more closed off one more, <laughs> but I would, I would say like, I think even this is interesting. Um, it's like, even when guys show interest, I see girls are like, Oh, I find like, I want a guy to talk to me. I want a guy to talk to me. And then when they do, they're like, Oh my gosh, why are you speaking to me? So how, like, I want, I would love for you to just speak to that, like that problem. <laughs> Well, let's just be honest. We want a guy to talk to us, but not just any guy. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like that TikTok where it's like, God, please send me a man. And then it's like, hi. And it's like, please send me any man, but that man, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Like, not you. (laughs) And um, so, you know, we want a good guy, but we're not always attracted to the good guys because, you know, sometimes they show up in a energy that we're not really attracted to. So, um, so first of all, you have to decide is, you know, is this an issue within me? Am I not giving people a chance? I want people to talk to me, but when they do start talking to me, why do I shut down? Is it because I have already a preconceived idea of what the person that I want is like, Mm -hmm. and this is obviously not them, Mm -hmm. or is it because the thing that I think I want the most is happening. And now I'm, and now I'm scared. Mm, mm. Right. So which is it? Is it, 
I have a list, even though I'm not going to admit it. And this person doesn't fit the list and I don't want to talk to them. Or am I just afraid that, you know, if I afraid, if I let them start talking to me, you know, where is this going? Because it's the thing I most want. And I'm most afraid of all at the same time. That's so, so good. I feel like you're like just bringing like awareness to like questions to start asking. It's like, start like exploring these things instead of just kind of operating in the same, like, like mindset and staying there and then getting like the same results. And one thing you said about like the list, because duh, we all have the lists, like no matter if we want to like admit it or not. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Right. But that's what I wanted to ask you. I was like, well, how do we, how do we get clear about like clear about what we want, but in a way that it's like leading towards like, I don't know how to ask this leading towards like our spirit mate, because I know you talk about spirit mate a lot. And I also would love for you to just share what that is. Yes. So yeah, it's good to have a list of non-negotiables. Yeah. Everybody should have non-negotiables, but those non-negotiables, they have to be from heaven and they have to be based on your identity. So the very first thing that you have to do, if you want to find out what's best for you is find out what's best for you. Like, who are you? And a lot of people in the developmental years, so the teen years into the twenties, they're figuring out who they are. You know, we have a really, um, kind of late bloomer society. So people even into their thirties, forties, trying to figure out like, who am I? What do I want to do when I grow up? And that's going to be instrumental. And so the very first thing that I would tell singles is maximize this time of self-discovery by figuring out, instead of just waiting around for someone to fall in love with you, you need to be using this time to fall in love with you. You have to find out who you are and really maximize this time because that's going to speed it up. Don't go sit in a waiting room, be preparing. The word wait in the Bible means to expectantly prepare. So you mm-hmm. have to be expectantly preparing, first of all. And then second of all, you don't want to settle for a soulmate. Soulmates no. are the people and you want soulmate attraction for sure. But let me kind of differentiate between spirit mate and soulmate. A spirit mate is a spirit mate and a soulmate. So you want the common interest, the physical attraction, which by the way, does not have to be instant to be powerful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it can grow over time. Believe me, it can. And it should, if you want to jump someone's bones at coffee, there's probably a trauma bonding happening right now. There's some sort of familiarity. There's some sort of, you know, unhealthy thing going on there. And you want to make sure that you pay attention to visceral instant attraction. Cause it usually leads somewhere you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And it does not usually lead to healthy um, relationships but it can grow over time as you trust them, as you're vulnerable with them, you know, appropriately as it grows, it's all good. But spirit mates have something more than that. They have more than just common sense of humor and having fun together and common friends and community and all the things. They have this almost unidentifiable thing that makes you want to be the best version of yourself. You feel Mm -hmm. like this person just makes you better. When you're with them, you like who you are. You like who you're becoming. You have spiritual compatibility. When you come together, it draws you closer to, you know, to the divine, to God, not farther apart. If you get into a relationship where you no longer need any type of, you know, relationship with God, then that relationship is a codependent soulmate situation where now you're replacing whatever you were needing before supernaturally with this person. And that's going to run out real fast. 
So soulmates have no longevity, none at all. (laughs) Um, As soon as, you know, as soon as you guys run into a problem that you can't solve within yourselves, you're not going to have any divine help. Right. And then it's just going to hit the wall and it's going to be over with. Um, So spirit mates are also people that carry destiny DNA. And that's why you have to find out who you are because that special thing that you were created for, that is the counterpart to it. And you're not going to fully see that big picture, especially at 30 years old, but you'll know that there's something that when you guys get together, you dream, you start coming up with ideas, you start helping each other, like lean into lean out of weaknesses and lean into strengths. That is how, you know, it's a spirit mate. That is actually really helpful because I think, I think at least for me, I can just speak from my personal experience. So like as a Christian woman, in Christian community with lots of Christian guys who are really good friends, you think like, oh, you know, they're just great because they love Jesus and they have a heart for the Lord. And so you're like, oh, well, maybe this is it. So I feel like that's really helpful. And you're kind of like, I guess, like looking and deciding and like seeing, okay, is this, is there more there versus just like, you're a really great person and I love who you are. Well, and, you know, in Christian community, we run into, they're a spirit mate. We have all the spirit stuff in common and we really gel spiritually, but they're not a soulmate and you have to have both. Okay. Spirit mates, when you have the spirit stuff and the soul stuff, because sometimes it's like your, it's like your brother. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally, you know, and, and, you know, not a lot of people want to even try to date someone that they're in spiritual community with. Mm-hmm. because of the familiarity, unfortunately, and it can happen. It does happen. But I think a lot of times we friend zone those people pretty fast. Yeah, totally. At least yeah. that's totally been my experience. And I get <laughs> yeah. it. I've talked to guys too. And they're like, I'm like, why don't I was like, Oh, I saw that you were interested in this person. Why didn't you pursue that? And they were like, well, I'm scared that if I date her and then we break up, it's like, Oh, like, for sure. To- church or something like dating someone at work you know if you break up then you have to like find a new job (laughs) if you really like your your spiritual community you're like oh that's gonna be so awkward you know (laughs) and you know and and that's why people should what people should do in spiritual community here's a little advice about that there's five levels of relationship in my mind and this is what I teach in my dating coaching there's Mm -hmm. friendship community which you're already in with everyone and then there's that level two where it's like there's something intriguing about you. There's something different about you than the rest of the friends and community. And I'd like to explore that with you. Let's hang out a little bit more. Let's hang out one-on-one a little bit more. We're not dating. We're not professing love or marriage because I think in Christian communities, people try to weirdly escalate that very fast. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they were hanging out. So now they're getting married and nobody wants that type of gossip, you know, being spread about them. And so level three is where and level two, by the way, you're hanging out with more than one person, yeah. you know, you're not exclusive and it's not cheating to do that. And I think this is where Christian dating is weird. It really is. I wasn't raised in the church. I think Christians get real weird. It's like, Oh, you know, protect their heart. Well, the way you can protect their heart is by spreading yourself around a little bit, finding out who you like and what you like, you know, obviously honorably, you're not going to be like making out like the makeout bandit with everybody. All right. Once you're making out 
Listen, once you're, once you're, once you have any kind of body fluids being exchanged or kissing people and things, you're at level three automatically, which means yeah. you're exclusively with this person. You got yeah. DNA samples being shared. You are with this person now. All right. And I even really feel like holding hands and all, all of that is level three stuff. So yeah. let's keep it, let's keep it platonic. Let's keep it a discovery at level two. And then by level three, you should really have seen something amazing about this person that makes you want to define that relationship into exclusivity. And so that's why level two can happen within spiritual community. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. no one should, no one should be getting their feelings hurt. How are we going to get to know people and even know if we ever want to get to level three, if we don't give ourselves permission to get to know people? Yeah, I think that's so important because I, I think I've definitely done this in the past. And then also friends are like, oh, well, I don't know if I could see myself like marrying him. And they're like, you don't even know. I'm like, you what? Absolutely don't need to be able to see that right now. Like for sure. You like, you don't even know his middle name. <laughs> I mean, really? It's like, oh, hey, you like that girl? Yeah, what's her name? They don't even know her last name. I'm like, you don't like her. You don't even know her. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, I love that. Um, it's so true, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, one of the things you mentioned, like exchanging bodily fluids. So I'm like, yeah. okay, let's talk about purity. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> so I, you know, okay. So I told you the demographic of girls, women who listen to this and okay. I get messages about, you know, oh, I'm having, you know, sex with my boyfriend. Like I don't want yeah. to anymore. Or I, I want to be in a pure relationship and all this stuff. I would love for you to just share about why purity is important. Well, if we're talking to women, so this is the audience, right? Females. It's we're, first of all, regardless of the modern culture that we're living in, that tells us that, you know, we can have casual sex. We can be just like guys and, you know, we can hook up the hookup culture and all the things. Our DNA biologically Let's just take God out of it. Let's just talk biologically right now. Mm -hmm. The female species was not created for anything but monogamy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that is why ladies listen up that when you hook up with a guy, now you become the crazy girlfriend, the crazy ex-girlfriend, the crazy ex hookup where you're like thinking about him and you're like texting him and calling him. And you like become kind of obsessed at a certain level because every single time a female has sex, there's a possibility of conception mm -hmm. every time your biological makeup doesn't know about condoms or birth control pill or day after pill. It doesn't know about that stuff. And so you're, you're programmed as soon as that act happens to attach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's biological. And that's why you don't want to be doing that to your heart, to yourself by, you know, your body, your mind, your emotions are going to attach this potential baby daddy because your body doesn't know that you took measures to not get pregnant. Your body just knows every time there's a sexual intercourse situation, you now have the possibility to conceive and to procreate. And so that's why males are the exact opposite. They don't carry children. Yes, there's a possibility of conception every time they have some sort of sexual, you know, um, situation, some sort of sexual adventure. But at the same time, you know, the, the cursed masculine is not monogamous. It can go pollinate all the flowers it wants to, and it can pollinate for as long as it wants to. You know, we see how these rock stars having babies into their eighties. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Viagra. And, um, you know, 
So we have to respect our biological makeup first and foremost. And then the spiritual aspect of it is, is that there's a reason why sex, God, you know, hid that within a covenant relationship because it really has the ability to make or break your self-esteem. It has the ability to deposit things in you like shame and rejection and all different types of things that you don't want. You don't want that stuff. And it's harder than people think. I love it how people are like, oh yeah, you know, well, God will forgive me. Of course, God will forgive you. The problem is, is that the aftermath of that, sometimes the consequences are for years. Mm-hmm. with your own self-esteem, with your own self-worth, with the own, your own, sh- you know, shame and rejection and all of those things, because of that, that very intimate act was meant for a very specific purpose. Yeah, that is so good. Um, and one thing you had touched on earlier, I just really want to touch on it. I'm huge on, I think it's just, I love talking about purity because uh, I came from worldly dating and like literally everything you're saying, like, yeah, I went through that. And I was like, just didn't understand how damaging it was. Like, like physically, like emotionally, mentally had no idea. Yeah. And then I come to know Jesus and I'm like, wow, this is so damaging. And so that's why I really, I just like talking about it. It's so damaging. And, you know, I didn't grow up in the church. And when I lost my virginity, I was 17 in the back of a car with a guy that I loved. I met when I was 12 and I thought I was going to marry. And I did eventually end up marrying him someday at 20 years old, we broke up and then got back together. But As soon as that happened, we broke up right afterwards because we could not handle the pressure of what we had just done. Mm -hmm. Like it destroyed the relationship. I knew him since I was 12 and I loved him. Like I believe that I truly loved him. I ended up marrying him and having a child with him later. But the pressure of what we had done at that age, like we, you know, we couldn't handle the intimacy and the, the, you know, the seriousness, the depth of what had happened with our bodies okay. And our souls with each other. And so we broke up right afterwards. And I will tell you, even though I wasn't raised in the church, you know, uh, virginity is weaponized, you know, it really is weaponized against us in the culture that we live in. And I just felt like, Oh, you know what? I did it. I had sex. And so now, um, you know, the, the jig is up and I just ended up starting having sex with all kinds of people. Yeah. Why? Because (laughs) why not? not a virgin anymore. Who cares? And like I said, didn't know Jesus. And I feel like that is the, that, that shame, that's the gateway shame. You know, people call it the gateway drug. That is the gateway shame to all different types of, you know, behaviors that now show that I don't value myself anymore because I don't think I'm valuable. Mic drop. That is so good. Wow. That is so, so good. And I guess, I guess there's two questions I have is one is like for women who have, you know, that had like similar experiences to us that are, but are out of that cycle, right? They're like, oh, you know, live for the Lord. I love Jesus. I want like happy marriage. I want to do, you know, it God's way. Like, how do we like overcome that? Like that shame, like, how do we overcome that? I mean, just the the same way we have to overcome all shame is understand that, you know, the things that we've done, we're not our sin. We're not our pain. You know, unfortunately we have a growing number of women. The statistics are just staggering that those first moments, those were taken from them. They didn't even, you know, by their own volition, 
lose their virginity. It was taken from them by rape, by sexual molestation, by sexual abuse. I mean, we live in a culture, we live in a rape culture. We all know this. And um, so they didn't even get to make that decision. Someone else made that decision for them. And so like any other, um, any other event that causes deep disconnection from our identity of being loved, because that's what shame is. Shame is disconnection from your natural given identity that you are loved and that you are good. That is so good. Oh my right? gosh. Because, you know, when we, when we commit sin, what I'm saying is, is that I don't believe that I'm loved. I don't believe that I'm going to be taken care of or my needs are going to be taken care of. So I'm going to go over here to this counterfeit and try to meet my needs and take care of myself. It's a, it is like the highest level of like an orphan men- mindset where mm-hmm. I I'm not loved. I'm not fully loved. I'm not fully seen or known. And so I'm going to go over here and try to medicate those deep feelings of rejection and abandonment. And, and so shame plays into that's just a byproduct of those things. And then shame gives birth to more shame, gives birth to more shame. So once you start down that slippery slope, like I said, it's the gateway to just more and more behavior that's going to reinforce that I'm unloved, I'm unworthy, I'm abandoned. Wow. And then you break the cycle by finally just surrendering. This is what the word repentance really means. I'm going to surrender my view of myself. And I'm going to take on your view of me. And when I do that, behavior follows identity. Identity is the only way out. It is. And so when I believe, decide that I'm going to believe, give myself permission to be loved. Once that happens, like even in my state that I'm in permission to be loved, then my behavior will start to change. It won't start to change. It won't start to change immediately. I think we do people a disservice when we say like, oh, you met Jesus. Everything's better now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more of a process and that process includes amazing, wonderful community and other people who continue to reinforce that true identity of you are loved, you are seen, you are known. Amen. Oh my goodness. Yes. That was right. Yeah. That was so, so good. And I, I feel like you know, just, I, I feel like we're, I'm like, everyone just go get her heart workbook. <laughs> like, I'm like, go get it, do the program, like go for it. Um, but also I feel like that really falls into like the preparing, like, well for like, cause we were talking, it's, you know, it's part of the heart work. So how would you say, like, how can women prepare well for like marriage and dating, like set themselves up for like a successful, you know, marriage or successful dating, like relationship? Well, a a lot of different ways. The first is you have to remember that this, this boy girl relationship that you want, it's an extension of this and this, this relationship and this relationship have to be intact before this relationship can ever happen. Because otherwise you're looking to this relationship for this and for that, and you're never going to get it there. Yeah. And when you say this for people, your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself, sorry. And (laughs) so it's an extension. It's not in addition to, it's an extension of people really need to get a hold of that. It's an extension of it. So if this is no good and this is no good, this is going to eventually be no good. Yeah, It is because you're going to be trying to get love and acceptance and self-esteem and affirmation here. And at first you will get it. It's called, this is what we call codependency, codependency. So you'll get it. And then, but eventually this human person 
you and them, you're going to burn out with giving that. And you're going to hit a place in the relationship where you can no longer give it whatever it is. And you, you can't get it from God because you've, you've, you've advocated this relationship for this one. That's a soulmate, right? Mm -hmm. And you've never grown in your love for yourself. And so you can't get it from yourself. You can't get it from God. This poor person over here, you guys are going to eventually probably get into maybe even an abusive situation because you know what people do when you stop giving them what they think that they need from you, they start getting angry. And this is when people start being verbally abusive, physically abusive. It's not an excuse, but it is a reason. This is why this happens because now they're in a fear response because they think that whatever it is that you have, you're withholding, you're no longer giving. And now they're in panic mode because you were their source. And now you're pulling back the thing that they wanted. Wow. Yeah. And wow. depending on how damaged they are from their origin family, that can get real sketchy real fast. Wow. Right. So intimacy with God has to be like number one. It, and you know what? And people, people are like, oh, oh, that's so hard. And it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, only, not having it. <laughs> it's only hard because we're religious and we think that it has to look like something that it doesn't look like. That's what my book, The Heart Work is all about. I met Jesus at 22. It was amazing. I had like this radical conversion experience in my car. And then the religious people came and they're like, oh, well, you can't love Jesus. You have to come to church and then you have to do this and you have to do that. And they're like, put all this rules around my relationship with him. And it started get, it started getting, you know, dis more and more and more distant, more and more and more distant because now I'm like, oh, well, I got to cross every T and I got to dot every I. And I started believing things like, well, Jesus doesn't even want to talk to me unless I do this first or unless I do that first, he never moved. I started moving further and further and further and further away from him because People were telling me what he wanted when all he really wanted was what we had at the beginning, <laughs> right? And for me to grow in that. So a lot of times that's what happens to people. And so I just, the more I learned, the more distant my heart became from God because, you know, now I have, you know, it's kind of like the garden. I have all this shame of why I'm unworthy and why he shouldn't love me and why I'm just a hot mess express in a dumpster fire. And I get it. And I am that, but I had this beautiful awakening where I realized I am the hot mess express in a dumpster fire in a train wreck. And you know what? He likes it. <laughs> he likes every bit of it. You know, he loves my crazy. He created me this way. And then that is the heart work. And that's when I gave him permission to love me just as I am. And then I started loving myself just as I am. I had helped me become better version of myself. And then you know what else happened? I started loving other people just as they are. So everybody needs to know that all of these potentials out there, if you want to get ready to date, they're all going to have yellow flags. And knowing the difference between a yellow flag of development and progress and a red flag of stop, run forest, run, you have to know the difference between those two things. <laughs> and if you're not looking for them to be your source, you will, you will notice the difference because you will pass by all those red flags. If you're just looking for someone to fill a God-shaped hole. Wow. Oh my gosh. That was so amazing. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm good. That sounds like a great intro. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, like we're good like awesome um man I mean I feel like you really touched on this but I and I would love for you to just pray um over every single person um but there was a listener question I just I feel like you really hit it but I still just want to ask just because um one of the questions that um, a woman wrote in was how do you get over feelings of inadequacy when meeting someone new? And I thought this was such a good question, but I feel like you're the self-love and your relationship with the Lord, you really hit on it. But if there's other things that you think like you want to speak to. I think the first thing that comes into my heart for that question is why do we always think everybody else is better than us? You know, when we sit in inferiority across the table from another person, that immediately tells me that we think that other people don't have the same problems that we do. They don't struggle the way that we do. They don't have the yellow flags of construction and development like we do. But if you can truly sit across from someone, this is true vulnerability and know that, you know, underneath those clothes, they're naked, <laughs> you know, and so are you, you know, and this is, you know, this is how we come into the, this is how we come into the earth, we come into the earth, you know, helpless and hopeless. And if it isn't, if it wasn't for God, we would stay that way. You know, mm -hmm. he's the one that clothes us with his righteousness and with, you know, his goodness and his love and our, that identity that he's created us for. And, you know, we're all at different levels of that. But if you can sit across from someone and know that, hey, they're under construction, just like I am. And if we can find compatibility during this development process, then maybe there's going to be something here, but that's going to be up to God. And so I'm going to show them exactly who I am within reason. Don't bring out all the dirty laundry. And if they like me, they like me. And if they don't, then guess what? They're not supposed to. They're not supposed to. Divine rejection is a real thing and you need it in your life. Yeah. You yeah. do. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jackie, for like just- Yeah, it was so fun. Pouring into us. Yeah, I had a blast. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to talk and listen to this. Um, but yeah, you're just amazing and you just have so much to share and your heart is so beautiful. And I would love for you to just pray over the women, like anything that a you want to, and then just pray like whatever you want. I'll just give it to you. So the podcast is like 18 to 24, 18, 24, 24 to 30. So, okay. So father God, I just thank you for your daughters. I thank you for your young daughters, Lord. All of these ladies are in development. They're learning who you are, who they are, um, who they are to be to others. They're learning boundaries. They're learning how to be vulnerable. They're learning how to follow after destiny DNA and what that is in their lives. And during the season of construction, as you're developing them, as you're progressing them in the reason that you created them in the first place, Lord, I pray that they would have confidence. Confidence. I just release confidence over each and every one of them that they would be comfortable in their own skin, that they would look in the mirror and that they would truly like the person that they see there, not just the outer, but the inner, that they would truly like themselves, not just love themselves, but like themselves, that they could honestly say that they would not want to be anyone else. And that they wouldn't get their cues from media. They wouldn't get their cues from movie or modern culture. They would get their cues from you. I just want to release that Jeremiah 616 scripture over each and every lady that's listening that the ancient of days, he has ancient ways. And when we come to the crossroads in our own hearts, 
he will show us the way to go. He said, look to me and I will show you the good path. And that good path leads to self-esteem. It leads to worthiness. It leads to um, divine relationships. That includes community and friendships and romance. I will show you the good road so that your peace, your shalom would increase. And so I just pray that all confusion and chaos in their identities, their sexual identities, their gender identities, their personal identities in every way, shape or form would be devoured. All the chaos and confusion would be devoured by your peace that passes all understanding that they would wake up in strength and in confidence and understand that they are perfectly imperfect. And that is all you've ever asked for them is to lean into you, to your power, to your strength, and that you have a love story for them. They don't have to go find it. They don't have to take a shovel and dig it out and they don't have to settle for anything less than what it is. And so father, I thank you that your daughters are in your sight. They are beautiful. They are perfect. And that you have the perfect mate for each and every one of them. I pray that they would be highlighted by heaven in this season and that they would lay down their season of singleness in order to take on the sacrifice that marriage is, they would volunteer as tribute, Papa, to take on that maturity process that you have for each and every one of them that want it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you want to check out Jackie Dorman and learn more about her programs and her books, check that in the links below. And don't forget, share this with a sister who you know would be blessed by this episode. All right. Bless you guys.